Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. All right, this is the question that I asked my team uh, yesterday, and it was really fun to hear their answers. So I'm going to ask you, um, ladies. Um, yeah. What is something that you think should have been taught in school but wasn't? Oh, whoa. <laughs> that could go in so many directions. Um, we got okay. one minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'm so curious what your staff said too, because they're y'all are they're a little younger. So I'm yeah. curious what was missing for them. Um, I'm gonna take a minute. You've thought about it, Lori. Why don't you kick it off and then I can uh yeah, there you I, go. Yeah, I really think the understanding money and the financial like personal mm. finances and really understanding like compound interest and how you know, spending money versus saving money, especially when you're younger. I mean, you understand it more when you actually experience it. But I think a lot of kids don't understand the true value of money because they don't under, you know, their parents are just giving them money. And then when they're out yeah. on their own, um, that's why there's just so much debt and living paycheck to paycheck and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, there's other issues that play into that right now, but um, I just think that that's a huge, yeah. important yes. life skill that is barely touched on. I mean, I remember yeah. taking like, I remember in middle school, I had to like learn how to balance a checkbook, but <laughs> yeah, like that's all I remember <laughs> of doing anything related to personal finance. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. I would vote for that one too. So if I go next, I, yeah, yeah that would have been my first one that I would have thought of, mm -hmm. but um, since I have to think of another one, I will go with <laughs> leadership skills. Mm -hmm. um, I think, oh. I, you know, that there are so many times in my life I've had to look up to identify what I like or dislike mm -hmm. in leadership and take the good and leave the bad. Yeah. And I think that there are so many, you know, great books and, and, you know, we, we read historical books, we read uh, books for English and, you know, grammar and other things. But if we could wrap our heads around some of the best leadership books and really understand how, uh, how to lead uh, and yeah. how to be a great follower, yeah, you know, how sure. that launches you into leadership. Right, I right. think that's something that uh, would be incredibly beneficial. I think a lot of the leadership I, I learned was because I played sports, mm -hmm. uh, of course, and then I uh -huh. went into the yep. U.S. Navy. So you can say that I naturally got these things sure. through the things that I was doing, but I still had to keep learning after mm -hmm. school how to uh, deploy different tactics in, in leadership. Sure. So yep. anyway, wow. that's all that comes wow. to mind. That's, that's a great one. Um, I'm going to follow up, not with something that was even an issue when I was in school. So, but it's something that I've observed and that's, 
I use different words to refer to it, but one of the phrases I use is digital hygiene. And I don't see that kids, you know, I'm not seeing my kids learning like to be, it's all, it goes back to critical thinking really, but like how to be a thoughtful consumer of online Mm -hmm. information, branding, all of those things so that you take a step back and you assess, is this valuable or not? Instead, we all just kind of like fall into the funnel of the internet without being really intentional about it. And I think school is the time for kids to do that. And I'm not seeing a lot of that education happen. Maybe some places it is, but I'm not seeing it. And I really think that should that should be happening. So yeah. that's a great question, Lori. Thank you so much. And you know, that's going to lead us right into our wonderful, wonderful guest today, Ashley Waters. What Yay. an honor. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have all kinds of experts join us on the show, but today we have somebody who's on the ground making a difference in her own manufacturing facility and also just for all of us and thinking about leadership, right, Chris? I mean, she just has amazing things to say. So I'm going to um, just read your quick bio real quick, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. So Hi. 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 <laughs> and uh, then we're, we're going to kick off and have a really great conversation today. So for those of you that have not had the pleasure of meeting Ashley yet, she and her family relocated to the Rust Belt town of Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. In an attempt to revive her husband's family's 56-year-old business, she used the problem-solving skills she obtained while earning her BS in chemical engineering, hey, hey, from Auburn, (laughs) and was able to change the company culture by using a coach approach leadership style. Ashley regularly shares her story with fellow leaders and encourages them to make things better by continuously improving processes. Wow. I love that. Love that. (laughs) Wow. Such a great fit for us here on the broadcast. And I cannot wait to dive in and learn more. So who wants to kick off the first question? Because my question is pretty big and I would like to like work my way up to it. I'll kick it off. All right. Let's hear you, Chris. Well, we know uh, that you talk a lot about grit and grace. And a question that we have for you is why should leaders lead with grit and grace? So I definitely think it takes both, Chris. Um, Thank you for that question. So grit for me is that determination and resilience and persistence uh, because it turns out things don't always go our way, right? Or the way that we expect them to. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to make a decision and pivot when it's not going the way that we want. Um, But also grace. And I think grace is one of the biggest components um, in leadership. It's that empathy and compassion for others. And I think if COVID did one thing for us that was good, it was to make us more uh, cognizant of how our peers um, are feeling, right? yeah. mm-hmm. the, the needs that they have, whereas before manufacturers were pretty unflexible, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so grit and grace, it takes them both. And some days it's grittier and some days more. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, oh. I do think you're right. Some days are grittier and uh, the moments that you can lead with grace are are some of the most gratifying days. So I just love that you tie those two together. Thank you for that. It's beautiful. Ashley, can you tell us about servant leadership and the freedom to fail? Yeah, absolutely. So servant leadership to me means like you go to the place where the work is being done. 
uh, mm -hmm. to see the work because we all have different histories and perspectives. So sometimes when people are telling you about something, you're hearing it differently in your mind, right? Then it's really happening. So going to the place where the work is being done is the you know number one piece of service. Mm -hmm. But number two is like when you have that problem going on or somebody has a problem going on, it's helping them find the resources that they need to overcome the obstacle, mm -hmm. not doing it for them. So as a leader, your number one job is to serve others. And I think historically we've thought leadership uh, is about leadership in a very different way, right? Yeah. Like our students yep. are there to serve us. No, right. no, it's the other way around. You are there to serve your followers and make sure that they are successful. Mm -hmm. love that. Wow. That wow. Is, I love that change. I agree with and, that. You know, it's, it's that hierarchical thinking. It worked at a certain place in a certain time, right? That got us where we are. And, you know, we appreciate that history, but as you pointed out, I mean, COVID being the biggest example, but there's so many things have changed and that hierarchical way of doing things is now a deficit for your business, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but like yeah. you're more agile now, right? Like command and control used to work and it came about during mass production. Um, and things were just one way, right? And right. we've done that way. But now the market's changing so fast, no leader could possibly think of everything that needs to be done. Exactly. I'm, I'm so curious about your experience. Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about, I, I want to hear specifically about your operations and how they changed and what you've seen, like in terms of just production, how has your leadership style impacted not only the happiness of your staff, but like the on the ground ROI on being a servant leader? Yeah. So you know, we started out family business, family owned business. Um, my father-in-law was not the one of the original founders, but bought out one of the original founders. And um, so it's always kind of been run with those family values, those people centric values until it wasn't. So we needed like processes and systems in place. And we certainly did. Um, but what we what we did as a family was have a command and control leader come in because we felt like we needed that like very strong, you know, um, yeah. leadership style. And it actually was a deficit to the company. Oh, we went okay. backwards uh, okay. and under that style. And what you find in under that command and control leadership style is that people only do exactly what you ask them to do and nothing more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of doing it more. Sure. Um, so when you're asking people to be innovative and creative, back to Lori's question, you have to give them the freedom to fail. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you all have ever done an experiment, how many times is it successful on go one? Mm. Not like, right? No. Yeah. So when you're trying to create and innovate, you need to do experiments and you have to have that freedom to fail and learn from those failures and then try, try again. Mm. And so that's where the freedom to fail comes in. So as I had, as I came into the business and my father-in-law had asked me to like review the financials and everything and uh -huh. just lead, I figured out we needed to, we needed to change our leadership style, number one, because Whoa. I didn't know everything that was going on in the business and I needed other people's help and support to help yeah. us get going in the right direction. And right. so I just started asking curious questions. Uh -huh. I would ask, what takes up most of your time? 
or what frustrates you. Uh-huh. And we started kind of ferreting out those inefficiencies yeah. in the organization. And as we got rid of the inefficiencies and people were less frustrated, yeah. they had the opportunity and the ability to think and to dream and to make things better. And so awesome. now our organizational mission is make things better and not just internally here at Onyx, but like in our world, in our community, in our, uh, mm. in our clients, you know, help them also make things better. I, I love that. I, yeah. And I love that <laughs> phrase because it's so perfect for manufacturing, right? It has these two meanings, yeah. make, make things better. Thank you better and make things better like it's just it's yeah well, I love that it's instilled in your culture but it's also like you encourage people to do that in their own lives outside of the office too outside of the yeah. plant yeah that's yeah. awesome I want to I want to turn your question that you yeah. ask to employees back to you what frustrates you the most and you know uh what takes up most of your time I, since uh you know that's a question you yeah. ask your employees I'm curious how you would answer that question today So I think what frustrates me the most is um, that some companies believe that there's no need to change. Mm -hmm. I've never heard the phrase. We've always done it that way. Yes. Yes. We're trying to change the challenge the status quo here. So yes, that's something that we're trying to fight against for sure. Yeah. So that, that, before I done it this way, always to me goes, okay, well, maybe that is the right way to do it, but maybe could we explore just yeah. a few other ways and just kind mm-hmm. of vet that out, right? Mm-hmm. And make sure we are doing it, right? And then as far as like what takes up most of my time, Chris, like really it's just the leadership of, of people, right? And make mm-hmm. and serving them and making sure they have the resources they need. And so um, I have, you know, 10 different individuals that are reporting directly to me and we have a company of 50. And so just making sure everybody has what they need to be successful um, is really where most of my time is spent. Oh, that's great. Oh, you know, I, what strikes me too about you and what you did, that is courageous. Like, where did you find oh. the guts to like, I love that uh, people can't see her face right now. She's like, yeah, I, <laughs> that's all we do with that question. Where do you get, the, where do you get off? Like, how did you find the nerve to do that? So brave. So- I think, you know, it was just because it was the family business and we felt as a family that we had to fix it for the 50 families that were working for us. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had gotten it wrong and, you know, Mm. they trusted us to hopefully get it right. Right. And I didn't, I mean, my background is in engineering. I didn't have any leadership management, like, uh, schooling at all. Right. Just learned on the job. And honestly, I was, when my father-in-law made that phone call back in September of 2013, I was a stay at home mom with two little boys. They were two and three years old. Wow. Lived in Charlotte, wow. North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, business is in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I traveled every other week and just had to really rely on family support to help with those little boys. And, um, and we were in a turnaround situation. So you know, just really had to learn on the fly. And I remember Erin, one day I said to my girlfriend, that's like the artist type, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pouring all this out to her. I'm like, how in the world am I going to fix this? What skills do I have, you know, to make this Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Ashley, how do you eat an elephant? And I thought, really girl, like right now, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Elizabeth, how do you eat an elephant? One bite 
at a time. Yeah. And she was so right. And it, and honestly, like I was in a place in my life where I was ready. I was just nauseous all yeah. the time. I didn't know what I was going to do. But when she said that to me, it kind of just calmed me down. And I thought, uh-huh. okay, she's right. We just have to focus. Yes. There's a hundred things to fix, but what's the biggest one? Like what's, where am I going to make the biggest mm-hmm. impact the quickest? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, just that focus, that priority. I'm curious, what was the time, how long did it take to get from where it was to where like you got to a point of everyone's, everyone's trusting leadership and where the ship is going Mm -hmm. in the direction we want it to go now? Yeah. So I would say it takes time, right? If you've ever been in a relationship where your trust was broken, like how long does it take you to repair that? Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, there were definitely incremental changes and, and things were going better soon, like early on. Right. Yeah. Um, so I hung up, think outside the box posters and I wrote handwritten letters of gratitude when people like came up with an idea that saved us money or made us more efficient. So you always have those like the early adopters. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but how long does it take before you get the, like, the laggers on board? You know, three to five years, five years. Yeah. Wow. Before yeah. we had everything really running in in the right direction, mm-hmm. got that ship turned around. <laughs> but you perceived and you kept kept moving forward. I think that's, that's right. amazing because I, I think a lot of people get intimidated going, oh, it's going to take three to five years to do this. Yeah. But it's so worth it now, obviously, just hearing hearing you and, you know, seeing everything that you've done or accomplished. It's congrats, you know, yeah. good job. <laughs> Yes. And you're vocal about it, which means there's a level of transparency and your yeah. your employees are going to um, love you for that. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm absolutely sure of it. So yeah, they are. They are so amazing. All of them. In fact, just this morning, one of our vendors dropped in um, and poked his head through my office door. And he said, actually, I just love your employees. He goes, they are really, truly all amazing. Yeah. And uh, he's right. They are. Wow. That's, that's such an endorsement, right? You know, he doesn't need to tell you that it's just what he's really experiencing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is so terrific. Well, you know, this is the, the time where we just dig in a little bit more, get to know you a little (laughs) bit better. And so what is something that you think that people don't know about you that Maybe you would like them to, or maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Let's hear it. (laughs) Uh, So I think one of the things that people don't know is that because I do tell our story a lot, um, I'm actually an introvert and I prefer to keep it that way. (laughs) But I have learned to become an extrovert um, just because I felt like it's so important to tell our story because I, I know that other people are experiencing some portion of our story. And so even when I wrote the book, um, it was just to make our story available to others who might need it. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And everybody should check the book out. Leading with Grit and Grace is it's just a wonderful piece of guidance in whatever industry you're in. But I love that this exists and came from the manufacturing industry. And uh, yeah, be sure. Well, tell us about where to find you online. Our listeners, um, please check out Ashley online. Where do they go to find you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is the platform that I'm most active on for sure. So uh, reach out, follow me, connect with me, send me a direct message. Um, 
that's where you'll find what I'm up to, where, you know, I'm, I'm either consulting or training or, or what we're doing with um, book clubs for the, for the book. Yeah. And then I also write articles for industry week. So you'll find those links out there on LinkedIn. Okay. Oh, awesome. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, we can probably go for, I don't know, hours <laughs> more because I just feel like you have so many rich stories and such great experience to share with us. Um, and you'll get a chance because now we're at everybody's favorite part of the <laughs> broadcast for manufacturers, which is I just learned that if you're turning in for the first time, tuning in for the first time, I just learned that is our chance to share our tidbits, whether it's the industry direct or it's something totally off the wall. And today we're going to start with Lori because she's ready. I knew you were going to pick me. I just knew that. <clears throat> well, I was excited because I read this article the other day and I'm like, this is the one I'm reading. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so um, have it, any of you heard of Project Starline from Google? No. Um, I didn't either, but apparently it's been a work in progress for about little over a year now and um it's really somewhat uncertain as far as like is this going to come to market or not but basically um google's competing against meta's like uh you know virtual reality type thing and they're creating 3d video calling booths and right now so basically you like you're sitting in a booth and your other the person that you're talking to like we're on a zoom call right now but actually you can see them like from a 3d perspective so what they're seeing and what they're finding in their experiments is that people are responding like they're actually physically in the room with them having a conversation with them whoa fascinating the future it's like a hologram experience pretty much yeah it is like a hologram experience because they're looking at i guess the data that they're collecting is like just every movement and every angle if you think about you know like um, what they do in the movies with, you know, just the CGI. Uh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. All that. So it's kind of like pulling that in, it's translating it, sending it over all the internet um, bobbers and then like recreating it. And so, I don't know, it's just really fascinating. I'll include the link in the show notes. Okay. There's, there's a little video, but I don't think the video does justice because the video is flat, obviously. Right. Sure. So, yeah. um, but just hearing the response of the individuals in the video, like their testimonial is just really yeah. like, wow, this sounds amazing, actually. Oh, that's, that's great. exciting and kind Project Starline. Yeah. Okay. Right? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. May never have to leave my booth again. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, Chris, are you going to follow up? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was doing some research the other day and I was trying to figure out, um, is there a social platform for our business that we should be on that we're not on? And okay. Uh, so in my search, I was surprised to learn that YouTube is one of the highest channels on all of the lists. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to tell you, Gen Alpha Technologies hasn't really been doing much at all on YouTube. Okay. We, we've uh, made most of our videos private. So if we use them on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's been our most active channel. Sure. Um, we also post on Twitter and uh, Facebook, mm -hmm. but and nothing on Instagram, nothing on TikTok today. And we really haven't been leveraging YouTube, but it was interesting. So Statista, Statista had mentioned that globally, Facebook, YouTube, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger, that's their top five for global. 
Okay. And then Pew for in the US said YouTube. So they had YouTube number one. Number one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and then LinkedIn, LinkedIn showed up as number five on that list. Yeah. And then in, in the business for business, mm-hmm. social media for business, and mm-hmm. Statista was Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Whoa. LinkedIn was number three, YouTube number four, and Twitter number five. So I was just, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that, but I was. So yeah. we have some work I to have, do on I YouTube. I have so many comments about that. <laughs> Here's okay, it. comments because no. I no, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a huge advocate. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, YouTube is owned by Google. So, I mean, if you think about your Google search results, it's not just text links. I mean, oftentimes you have a video result showing up. So the goal is not to just like have one ranking on that Google results page, but you want to take over that page. You want image results. You want video results. You want links to your site. You want links to amazing articles (laughs) that talk about you. So you want to control the whole results page, not just get excited because one link is showing up on on the first page of Google for whatever that search phrase is. And YouTube is the second most popular search engine, actually. Like people go oh, sure. to YouTube to search as a stuff search as a search. So right. it 100% needs to be part of your digital strategy without a doubt. Shame wow. on you. Yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> You're well, welcome. Everybody, everybody can have... learn from my mistakes. <laughs> I will confess we have not done this well, and I will change that. Uh, we together will change that. So yeah. you've got the content. You just got to put it out there. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got the content. You can put it out there. And I think it's, everybody is trying to figure this out and the right thing for them. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of you began with where you knew and what you were comfortable with. I think that's a much better motivation for how you begin than trying to game the system and get your algorithms down. Once you've got your content engine running, then you can dive in and optimize. And so I think you're doing a great job. And I think now's the time for you. And like Ashley, I'm an, I'm a natural introvert. So it's, you know, saying yes to things and putting myself out there, the whole idea of just creating videos. uh Uh-uh. I mean, it's very, I would love doing stuff like this where it's conversational, but for Mm -hmm. me to just look in a camera and talk. So, I mean, there's a lot of things I need to work on, but um, I did think, yeah, this one's a big one. So great. Well, we can't wait to subscribe. (laughs) Okay. So I'm excited to share my, just learned that Um, my son plays baseball, little league, which I just love it. And uh, part of what I like about it is there's a sort of a, almost a mysticism around baseball. Like there's things that are just serendipitous that happen in baseball. And part of that is what makes it also so frustrating. And I just learned that um, by 2024, they're probably going to have the strike zone automated so that it won't just be the umps call anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's kind of like obvious, like, well, yeah, because nothing's left to chance anymore, right? We can digitize everything. On the other hand, it's like, oh, you know, that sort of that, that mystical part of uh, calling the, the ball is, it will, will go away, but not for Little League, because I don't think they're going to have the money to put the automated strike <laughs> I was going to ask, so. is this a yeah. Little League or just No, this will be okay. a Major League. Pretty yeah. Sophisticated yeah. League. yeah, but we're, it's funny that baseball has held on to sort of this antiquated human-driven decision matrix for so long, mm-hmm. um, and is yet still out another year before that change happens. So I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, I didn't know that either. Thank you. Ashley, it's your turn. All right. So um, I love sitting on other companies' boards as well as like nonprofit boards because I find that I always learn something new. And so yesterday I learned that there's an accounting change coming for the U.S. Um, not um, non-public companies. So we have to now list our leases and under on the balance sheet and under both the assets and the liabilities. Oh, oh really? Yeah. What? Like, hmm. you know, so if you lease an office building, uh-huh. if you lease a piece of equipment, or if you lease a copy or like something like that, you have to list it both as an asset and a liability now. Ooh, that's that is, a real nugget. Yeah. yeah. You find Trying that to... stuff out. You know what I mean? Like that yes. wouldn't have been in your email inbox. I mean, I guess your CPA would let you know when you did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. interesting. That oh, is a good nugget. Yeah. That opens up all kinds of questions when somebody's <laughs> looking at a new lease, right? Like mm. <laughs> <laughs> they just want them listed and it doesn't impact, you know, the value of the company or anything like that or making changes to your balance sheet. But yeah. Yeah. You got to put it down there. Mm. Interesting. Well, thank yeah. you. Good. <laughs> well, folks, it's time to say goodbye. This is a great episode, ladies. Yeah, and we'll, thank we'll, you. we'll see you at the next one. Bye. 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 This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.